0: And may he continue to be a supporter of Torah and all holy uh, projects. Amen. Today's da'af has been dedicated by Mr. Victor Gindi, Hashem for continued Hatsalacha in all his uh, endeavors, continued success, bidiut Health, happiness, and all good things. Amen. Today's staff is being studied the Arduin Nishmat ben Esther. Rua Hashem Tanienu BeGanayden. Amen. Today's staff is being studied the Rfuach Shlema Yosef ben Sava, Rhamim ben Adir, V'Sara B'Trahel. En Narefonu Lahem, V'Toch She'ar Kol Yeramoi Israel. Amen. We begin today's Dach on Mem Chet Amodrishon, and we are, six lines down. Tani Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef learned in a bright, uh, taught She'era, when it says in the Torah, She'era, that's talking about one of the obligations that a husband has towards his wife. In the previous Gemara, the Gemara explained different interpretations, what Sheira means. Either it means the obligation to give the wife Mizonot, meaning food, or we learned that the word Sheira is a reference to Onah, meaning the obligation of conjugal rights, where the husband is obligated to be with the wife intimately. So it's not at exactly what She'ra Is coming to teach us But now the Gavara gives a different derasha. tani Rabbi Yosef She'ra Zu Kiruv Basar When talking about She'ra This refers to That uh, literally The flesh Touching one another. That one should not act like the way of the Persians, that they have marital relations with their clothes on. That it has to be flesh touching flesh. This is a proof of the Ravuna of if let's say the husband comes along and says, I do not want to have tashmish only with clothes on, which means I want to be wearing my clothes, and she be wearing her clothes, so then she has a right to ask for a divorce, and she gets her kituba, which means it's a legal right that she has, that if the husband does not want to have tashmish, uh, without clothes on to fulfill this mitzvah of kiruv basar, of of flesh touching flesh. So she has a right to ask for a divorce. It's a legal uh, ground. And she still gets her ketubah. Comes the gemara Continues Rabbi Yehuda Omer, afilu ani shebi Now we learned in the Mishnah, that Rabbi Yehuda held, that the minimum funeral, that a poor person in Israel, usually he gets, is he has a minimum of two flutes, as we explained earlier, the flutes used to cause, inspire the people to cry, from the sound of the flute, and they would have a wailer, that's a, a mekonin. that's a uh, later that they would hire, that would, um, you know, wail and cause people also to cry. In any event, the Gemara says, that that's the Shittavr, that's that's the minimum, a uh, funeral that a husband must provide for his wife. So comes the Gemara and says, تَنَكَ تَنَكَ So it must be Tanakama argues on the Bihuda and says, you don't even have to provide even this amount, which means this she owed of two flutes and a whaler, that's Shittat the Bihuda. But Tanakama argues, it's much more Tanakama says you don't even have to give this. No, the says, hey, what's the case? If that's the normal way, which means if her family, his wife meaning, if his wife's family is accustomed to have such a level of funeral, Why does Tanakama say you wouldn't have to provide that level? urha. If you tell me it's not the way of the family, which means, let's say the way of a family is less than that, my So why does the Behuda say you have to make such a minimal funeral? So the Gemara says, The case is talking about, Which means, it's the way of the husband's family to get such a funeral, but it's not the way of his wife's family. So we're talking about a case of it where the guy, the husband, his family, the customer's what they get these two flutes and they get the eulogizer. But he married a lady that in her family, they don't even do that. So therefore he wants to downgrade her. He wants to give a funeral based on her fam- his her family's level and not on his family. So the Gebara says, Tanakama Savab, Tanakama holds Ki Which means we have a law that says, ole immo Which means, when a husband is married to a wife, whatever level he is accustomed to, if it's higher than her level, ole immo, he must treat his wife on the higher level, which is his level. And if let's say his level is lower than his wife, so eno he cannot lower the level of his wife, he must treat his wife according to the level that she was accustomed to before she was married. So either way, the wife wins in this case, which means, she is elevated to his lifestyle, and she's not downgraded to his lifestyle, I mean, she stays by her original lifestyle, but the Tanakh Kama says, this is only talking about when she's alive, that law applies, but after she dies, no, and therefore Tanakama says, that in the case of our Mishnah, her family wasn't even accustomed to having a funeral with uh, two flutes and a it. and therefore you don't even have to give her that which means you're able to give her the lower level, you don't have to elevate according to his level let's read Lashi look at Lashi Dibura Metchil Hani mini Kegon, she gives a, an interesting case he comes along and says why don't you nurse your child that a baby so he comes along and says why don't you nurse she comes along and says no I want to get a wet nurse I want you to pay for a wet nurse and the way of a family is actually to actually nurse their children but it's not the way of his family, so the law is ole. She is elevated to his level, and he cannot tell her that we're just going to get you. You just nurse yourself. Since his family is accustomed to that, the law is that she is elevated to the level of the husband. So Tanaka Ma says that that law that she's elevated and not downgraded. That's only mehayim. That's only when she is alive. However, once already she's dead, then already the law does not apply. And therefore, he's not obligated to give her this uh, status, of his status let's say. Let me say it clearly, his status. He can give her her low status and therefore whatever her low status was, that's the type of funeral he's able to give her. And Rabbi Yehuda says, "No, even after mitah, this law applies, and therefore uh, he's obligated to give his wife according to what his uh, ability was, and therefore he has to bring two flutes in order and a, and a eulogizer." Uh, which was the custom of his family, which means the case obviously was that the custom of his family was to bring two flutes and a uh, eulogizer. But the koytatanekama, he says, listen, I don't even got to do that for. Her. Now after she's dead, I don't have to elevate her to, to, to that level. Even I can bring less. Where the says no, even at that level uh, of death, still you have to uh, treat her. Ole, which means whatever he would uh, be accustomed to, she gets as well. So that's the mahlokit in the Mishnah. Is there elevation? Ole <speaking in Spanish> does that apply to the case of uh, when, she, when uh, she dies? Everybody agrees it applies when they're alive. Uh, that what? She that she always gets upgraded to the husband's level and not downgraded to her status. But the question is, by mitah does it apply? So the Yehuda says, even by mitah it applies, and therefore she gets uh, the, according to what the husband's level would be. Where Tenekamah says, no, you don't have to give up by and if we can give her the uh, even less than uh, less than what he's accustomed to. Comes the continues Amar of Chizda, Amar Halacha, Rabbi Yehuda, Halacha follows Rabbi Yehuda. That what? That the minimum he must give her what he was accustomed to in his lifetime, and therefore even after she is dead. New case. Let's say a person became a shoteh, uh, whatever the case is, he became a shoteh, he lost his uh, mind. So Betin goes down to his assets. So Betty now steps in and they go into the guy's assets and they support his wife and his children, his boys and his girls. And something else they pay for as well. We'll see what that about hayr is. Tanya. Why is the case of a person that becomes a shote that Yitami Betin steps in to support the wife and the children? Why is it different than what we learned in the Brayta? A person went overseas. and his wife needs to be supported. The husband didn't leave any support when he went overseas. Yordinu So Betin goes down to his assets. So they go and they support his wife. But they do not support the children and that other payment of davar aher. So the Gebaraz is asking a question. He's saying, what's the difference when a guy becomes a shoteh, you give him full support, meaning wife plus children, or when the guy went overseas, we you're only giving support to his wife and not to children? Amadleh. So, Rav Asher tells Avina, Velo, Shani, Lach. Didn't I tell you there's a difference between da'at, leda'at, liyutzeh shelo leda'at. There's a difference when a guy leaves willingly and a guy doesn't leave willingly, which means when a guy became a shoteh, So then already, you have to assume that he really wants to support his wife and his children. Now even though it's not an obligation of a father to support his children, even when they're ketanim, once they become ketanim already, it's not his obligation to support them so the Hiddush is that when a guy becomes a shoteh, so the Betin will intervene and say you know what this guy probably of course he has to support his wife that's not a question but he probably also wants to support his children as well so therefore uh, because he's a good guy therefore we'll support the children but when he leaves willingly Midat overseas and we see he didn't leave any money for his children that's a clear indication the guy knows what he's doing he's really saying I don't want to support my children so therefore Betin will not intervene to take Mizanot to feed the children but they will feed the wife because the wife is an obligation from the ketubah. He has to feed her. So, therefore, that's the difference. When he goes out, it's as if he's saying, I don't want to feed the children. Mashiach, when he goes, becomes a to so then Betin intervenes and says, Maybe the guy would want to feed the uh, children. You have no indication that he didn't. And therefore, they will feed the children. It is a difference. Look at that. When a person goes out willingly which means he could have uh, made a commandment to somebody to make sure to supply food for his wife and children. But he didn't do that. So it's a clear indication. He doesn't want to support them. Well, the wife that's from the Ketubah, so then his assets have a uh, A, a lien on them to support her. However, when a person becomes a Shote, he just left the world un- uh, because he became a shoteh. It's out of his control. We can assume that he wants to support his children. That's why the cases are different. Now the Gebarah says, My davar which is one of the payments that we said, when he becomes a shoteh, he gives his wife is davar As opposed to when he goes away overseas, he does not have to give his wife davar What is this davar So, Amar ifizda, Amar this is referring to perfume which means that she says that uh, this is bismim, it's like a certain type of powder that the ladies would use in order to uh, make themselves uh, smell good Rav Yosef Amar Sadaqah Rav says this is the obligation of Sadaqah, in the olden days every family was taxed by the community a certain amount of money that they had to give to the community for tzedakah. So one rabbi says, davarahir is besamim, and one rabbi says, that this davarahir is actually tzedakah. So now the gebarah says, man the amar takhshit. The opinion that says takhshit, that you don't give her, which means, where gebarah is now going in the case, where he left willingly. Where he left willingly, we said, the betin steps in, and just feeds the wife, but does not, Use the assets for the children, nor for דבר So, according to the opinion that says takshid, that the does not give her money for takshid for perfume, kol sedaka. So, all more so, it's not going to step in and give uh, the wife sedaka, which means the husband will give his sedaka obligation uh, where he is. However, man, that amount tzedakah. But according to opinion, that says it's tzedakah, meaning you don't give tzedakah obligation because the tzedakah obligation will give somewhere else about yavinana. But. The Takshiti still wants to give her de lo nihale de because he doesn't want it to become menuval, which means even though he didn't command to give besamim to her before he left, so, but still he doesn't want his wife to become uh, uh, you know uh, uh, repugnant. And therefore, the opinion that says it's tzedakah that's not given will say that besamim is given. But the Shitara says besamim is not given, so tzedakah. Now that's one way of learning the Gemara. That she then offers yet another way of learning. The Gemara that this last uh, piece that's talking about the davar is going back on the shoteh case. The shoteh case is where you give her the davar uh, achir. So therefore, as she writes, "Vedav lo ni chaled itin val afal pishelot zivah belechto avdinan velinir eh." That's where we're starting. Rashi, the words "velinir eh," the that this Gemara is going on the uh, statement of Morabah that says you do give her davar aher. And the gersas turned around and you read it like this. The opinion that says you give her tzedakah, and the reason why you give her the takshiit is because she do not want it to become a minuva. So there was two ways of learning this gemara of the davar Is this gemara going back on the shoteh case, like the second in Nashid, or is it going back on the case of the fellow that went to Medina Tayyam? If you're learning it's going back on the shoteh case, so that she changes the girsah. Again, if you hold that you give tzedakah, kulchekent taksheet. But if you're giving taksheet, but tzedakah, no. Amar hayab hayabar abin, amarav una. Misha le medinatayam. Okay, a guy went overseas. Umeta <speaking> ishto. <in Hebrew> and what happened? His wife died. Betin yurdin le nechasaf. So betin <Hebrew> goes down to his assets. Ve kovlim ota le fille kevodo. So the burial is paid from the assets of the uh, husband. Husband's overseas, but the beti will intervene and go to his assets and make a funeral according to his level, according to his kavod. So the Gemara says, "Lefi kevodo, ve'lo lefi kavodah." So what do you mean? Not according to her mm-hmm. level. So that she says, "Betmiya midi de Urha ve'la orcha milo which means, the is questioning like this, that why does the Gabbara say, (laughs) that you make the funeral on his level? It should be on the level of the wife, if it's a higher level. Because everybody holds, that if the lady is on a higher level, that she was accustomed to a higher level status, that even after death, the lady must uh, uh, receive her level. The only mahluk we had after death was, does she elevate to the husband status? But if she's on a higher level than the husband, and the things that she's accustomed to, everybody agrees, even after death, you must treat her on that level. So why does it say the funeral is on his level? It should be according to everybody. So, says, sure. uh, so the Gabbara says, So the sure. Hidush of the Mishnah, the statement is, sure. The hadush is even the fi which means even if she's accustomed to a lower level, still you must elevate it to the husband's level proving like which opinion, following the opinion that says that she is elevated to the husband's level even after mita, and since, he, even though her level, she wasn't there, her family's not accustomed to making funerals like that, but since the husband's side is accustomed, even though she's uh, dead now, this is following the opinion that says, she's elevated to the husband's status of way of doing things, even after mitah, that's why it says, but of course, if her status was higher, then certainly the funeral is done according to her level. Comes and says, A husband says, If my wife dies, I do not want uh, my assets to be uh, used for the funeral. So you listen to him. Which means, the guy says, listen, um, if his wife dies, now it's talking about where he's going to die uh, first. Right? But she says, The guy saying this on his deathbed. He says, listen, uh, when my wife dies, I don't want the uh, assets, my assets, that are obviously are going to, to my children, to the inheritors, I don't want that money to be used for her uh, funeral. So the deen is Shum'inno, you listen to him. And the logic is very simple why you listen to him. Because her uh, children, that is the wife's children, uh, when she dies, inherit her kitubah. And therefore the payment of Kivurah comes from the kitubah. So therefore when he comes along and says, listen, I don't want the assets that my children are being yuresh, to pay for the uh, funeral because that will come from the uh, ketubah as uh, she says <laughs> because she, he died now once he died she gets ketubah talking about a case where he died first now she gets ketubah now once she dies her ketubah money goes to her Yorshin. And therefore the Ketubah payment is uh, the, the Kivurah is paid from the uh, Kivurah. So he has a right to say, Listen, I don't want my uh, my money to go to pay for the uh, for the uh, funeral. So as she says the not Yorsha, Yorsha, which means her inheritors that inherit the Kitubah they pay for it. So the Gabura says, My Shina Ahmad, why is he only believed? Why do you only listen to him when he said this statement? Because the reason why you, you listen to him is because his assets fall to the yetomim, to his children. And therefore there's no obligation for his children to pay for the funeral. The funeral payment comes from the Ketubah money. Even if he didn't make such a statement, Again, the money fell to the yetomim, And therefore there's never an obligation whether he said it or not. His assets that fall to the children, there's never a chayyuv on those assets to pay for the kiburah. So what's the means if he said it or he didn't say it? Automatically that money that he has falls to the children. They don't have to pay for the kiburah for that. The Kivurah money comes from the children that inherited the ketubah. It's coming from the ketubah payment. So comes the gebaran and says, what do you have to tell me this case of with dafka they said it? The husband said it Even if he didn't say it Never does the, his assets have to pay for the uh, Kivura. The Kivura always comes from her inheritors That got the Ketubah money after she died So the Kabbalah says you're right Talk about a guy that says like this If I die I don't want my assets to be used for my burial In that case we don't listen to him guy's a cheap guy. He comes along and says, listen, when I die, I don't want my money that the inheritors get to be used to pay for the funeral. You don't listen to him. Why? <laughs> we don't believe him that, that he should uh, make his children rich by keeping that money by them and now throwing himself on the uh, community that the community is going to have to pay for the funeral. If we cannot say that, he cannot come along and say, listen, uh, or the children can't say, listen, my father's will was that he doesn't want us to pay for the funeral. You don't know, listen when it comes to that. You pay for the funeral. Because otherwise, each guy will say that, and then the community has to end up burdening this, uh, this uh, footing the bill. So the Fagibaras is Imlaw. Comes the Mishnah. Now, a, a girl. That gets, let's say, engaged. She's a uh, She's uh, engaged. So she's considered still under the jurisdiction of the father. Up until she goes into the jurisdiction of the husband as nisu'in, as married. Which means that she's an arusah, she's still in the jurisdiction of the father until he actually gives her over to the uh, nesu'in nafkamina, so that she gives us a nafkamina. Let's say she's a Bat Yisrael and she's engaged to a Kohen. So as long as she's still engaged, she's still considered in her father's house, and she will not eat teruma. However, once already she's given over for nesu'in, then already she's able to eat even from teruma. Now the Mishnah gives different examples of. <coughs> when already she is still in the jurisdiction of the father, and when is she in the jurisdiction of the husband. So the kibara, the Mishnah says, top line, Masar Ha'av, let's say the father gave his daughter over for nisu'in, for marriage, l'shluheha ba'al. He gave her over to the messengers of the, Husband, Which means the husband sent messengers to pick up the wife, and the father gave over the daughter to these messengers, that's considered giving her over for Nisuin, she's already at that point in the jurisdiction of her husband. But let's say the husband escorted and went with the messengers of the husband, he gave her. He gave her over, but he went with them. He sent his messengers to escort her with the messengers of the Baal. So she's still considered in the jurisdiction of the father. But let's say the father's messengers gave over the girl who was an Arusa for nisuin to the messengers of the. Ba'al Harehi birshuta ba'al So she's considered already birshut habaal. She's in the, uh, the jurisdiction of the husband And now the Gemara analyzes My le'onam We learned in the Mishnah it said Le'onam hi av That the girl <coughs> She's always in the jurisdiction of her father Until Ajit kanesh ba'al until she enters the reshut of her husband, which means until there is a hupa and a nisu'in. So the Mishnah's language was le'olam. She is always in the jurisdiction of the father. So the Gabara asks, my le'olam. What is the terminology le'olam coming to teach us? It's coming to exclude what we learned in a previous Mishnah. Ditnan, we learned in the Mishnah. Higi ya'ziman velon nisu'u. Let's say you have a fellow that got engaged. He got these arous. Uh, the girl's in Arusa. And the law is that if she's a bitula, the man has 12 months in order to consummate the irusin into nusuin If he does not consummate it within 12 months, even if he's Anus, even if it's beyond his circumstances, still the law is he must begin to support her. He, mu- he must begin to give her Mezonot. And if she is a Bat style and he is a Kohen, she may begin... To eat that's if she's a betulah, she gets 12 months. And if she's a almana, it's 30 days. So the first Mishnah said, <speaking in Hebrew> She starts eating from the husband, and she can also eat teruma. <speaking in Hebrew> so that's why the Mishnah comes along and says, No, we don't go like that Mishnah. <speaking in Hebrew> Always. Which means even after 12 months, The law is going to be that until she actually gets married, meaning there's misu'een, she cannot eat tirumah. So that's what the Mishnah is coming to exclude. Comes the Gemaran, continues, a quote from the Mishnah. Masad ha'av nishlucheh ha'ba'al If let's say the father gave the girl over to the messengers of the husband, arehi birshuta ba'al. So once already the messengers of the husband get the girl from the father, she's already in the jurisdiction of the husband. Amarav Rav said, Misirata lakol, that when she's given over to the messengers, it's for all halakhic purposes, meaning she's considered in the jurisdiction of the husband regarding the law of inheritance, meaning if she dies, the husband inherits. If she dies, the husband, even if he's a Kohen, is allowed to be mitameh for her because it's considered the wife and ma'asayadeha. Also her work goes to the husband now. However, hutz Rav says it's for everything, but not for Terumah. Even though she was given over to the chupah to the messengers, she's not in the jurisdiction of the husband for the eating of Terumah. She's a bat Israel. Now the reason that Rav holds, she cannot eat Terumah yet, is because Terumah cannot be eaten until the actual nisuin is consummated, which means until she actually goes with the uh, husband, and they have chupah and nisuin. The reason is because He's concerned that maybe at the time of the uh, chuppah, he's going to see something that he does not like about her. Maybe she has a blemish of some sort and he's going to uproot the Kiddushin retroactively and say the whole thing was under a false pretense because he's going to see a certain let's say a physical flaw in her so therefore we do not allow her to eat tiruma at this point because we're concerned that maybe retroactively the marriage is going to be annulled and therefore she was eating Tiruma unlawfully so not until after the girl herself is married, meaning she was with the husband and it was actually a chubah, can she eat tirumah? So just by giving her over to the messengers of the husband does not allow her to eat teruma. That's the shita of Rav. Comes the, Gibran gives a different opinion of Rav Ase, Rav amar Rav says no, once already she's given over to the messengers of the husband, she's even allowed to eat tirumah. And what's says logic? So says logic is that the whole reason why in Arusa, Kenani tirumah, is because we're concerned that she might take some of this tirumah and go back to her father's house, and by mistake feed it to her brothers who are not Qohanim. But now already, when she was given over to Hupa, even to the messengers of her husband, we not concerned because already she's in his jurisdiction, and therefore she's permitted even to eat Terumah. So it's a mahluk at Rav and Rab Ase. When she was given over to the husband's messengers, can she eat tirumah or not? So comes the Gemara and says, <speaking in Hebrew> So Ravuna asks a question to Rab Ase. That, the Amrila, Haya, Rav, Rab Ase. And some say, hey, yeah, say. That which Rav said that watch, wow, can even eat through my. But we have a statement, hi birshuta'av. We have a statement that says she's always under the jurisdiction of the father until she's actually given over, and we understand that we learned earlier that this means le meaning that she cannot eat teruma. So how can the rab as say, say that once she's given over to the husband's messengers that she'd be able to eat the We learned that until she's given over to the she cannot eat teruma. So rab. So rab answers for them. amina lehu. So he tells. Uh, Ravuna, or he tells his son, Rav, he says, Didn't I tell you, which means do not uh, bring into the beta midrash a Mishnah that can be answered, which means you're asking from a Mishnah. But there's another way to learn that Mishnah. So don't ask questions from Mishnah that you're able to reverse them. Which means you're able to give a simple answer and just learn it a little differently. Why? How could you learn this statement? <speaking in Hebrew> I can answer to you, <speaking in Hebrew> which means, I can tell you that when you give it over, give her over to the messengers of the husband, that's considered, <speaking in Hebrew> which is all the Mishnah said was, that she's in the, husband, the father's domain and jurisdiction until she's given over to Khubah. So I can explain that that means that what is Kirisa al even if she's given over to the messengers of the husband. And therefore there's no question on that, because he'll consider that, that's considered the Mishnah al and therefore indeed can eat. So therefore don't ask a question from a Mishnah that you can interpret it in two two ways, and therefore, since you can interpret the Mishnah when it says she's always in the jurisdiction of her father until she's given over to Hupak, I can explain it. And when it's considered given over to Hupak, even if she's given over to the messengers of the husband, so therefore, there's no question on that. Asir <laughs> Shemuel says Yidushata. Shemuel says that when she's given over to the messengers of the husband, she's already in the jurisdiction of the husband regarding Yidusha. Which means, we know generally speaking, in Arusa, if she's engaged and she dies, so the husband is not Yoresha. However, the Hidush of is once she's given over to the Hupa, she's given over to the messengers, so now already we can assume that the father is going to be mohel, the Yerushah to the husband, because already the nisuin he gave her over. So therefore, because the Suidi already is taking place, even though he didn't actually make a chubah but he gave her over, so he's mohel the Yerushah. However, only for Yerushah, but not for tinumah, and not for even annulling vows, which means still the father has rights, or needs to know the vows if there's any vows and also if she finds a lost object that it'll also go to the father because this only giving over to the according to Shemuel only affects the deen of Yerusha but the other laws remain in the jurisdiction of the father, that's the opinion of Shemuel, so again Shmuel Yerushata, Amar Nishtakish says that giving over to the messengers of the husband affects the law of Ketubah. So the Gabbara says, ketubata ta' mai, what's the law of Ketubah? Mai, what is it? Di'i imeta yaritla. So if it means that if she dies, he inherits the Ketubah, which means the monies that are in the Ketubah that she brings in, if it means that when Nishtakish said it's a nafka for Ketubah, meaning she inherits it, that's what Shemuel said. Didn't Shemuel just say for inheritance? So what is the Shekhi saying any different? So Amar Lomar kitubata Me'aheer Mana. The Hidush is that her to the next husband that she marries, will only be a hundred. Which means once she's given over to hupa, even to the messengers of the husband, she's considered married. Meaning if her husband... Now let's say she this girl gets married to somebody else, so our Ketubah is only going to be 100... Which means she's considered an almanah from nisu'in. Which means, normally if let's say a girl is an almanah from irusin, from engagement, so then the next marriage that she gets, she gets 200 in the kitubah. But if a girl is an almanah from nisu'in, her kitubah is only 100 in the next marriage. So if I do once she's given over to the husband's messengers, she's considered married That the next kitubah. If her husband dies and she gets married to somebody else, will only be a 100. She's considered married. And if we say, Almanam, the Rabbi Hanina, the Amitabayu, the Rabbi Hanana, the Hanina come along and both say, Besirata, la kon, That when she's given over to the husband's messengers, is even the Gabet which means they concur to the opinion of Rav. So, meti so vez, another Gibran's question. Like we learned in the Mishnah, let's say the father goes with the messengers of the husband, o hu av, Im or the messengers of the father. They went with the messengers of the husband, which is they're going with the girl. But if they're going together, they didn't. He didn't give her over in totality, which means he's he's escorting her. O av, or let's say she had a courtyard on the road. And they entered this courtyard, the husband, or the future husband that is, and this girl entered the courtyard to sleep. Even though the kitubah is in the husband's house, which means, even though let's say the father of the bride already designated some uh, monies for the nidunya, for the dowry to give to the husband, it's already in his house. However, the, the, the deed is, doesn't matter. Meta, if she dies, aviha yosha. The father is the inheritor over here. Which means in all these cases that we just discussed, it's not considered that they're married here, Because since the husband did not... Uh, make Nesu'een yet, she was only given over to the messengers and the husband and the father that is, uh, escorted them or the father's messengers escorted them so if it wasn't a full giving over so therefore if she dies, even if the money is in the husband's house already, doesn't matter the father inherits the uh, Kitubah which means, uh, she's not considered given over. However, if the father gave her over to the messengers of the Baal, or the messengers of the father gave over to the messengers of the Baal, or, or let's say they were walking together, and there was a courtyard on the road, his courtyard, that is the husband's courtyard, and they entered the courtyard for the sake of the suin even though the monies of the kithubah are still by our father's, Meta, if she dies at that point, Ba'la yursha, her husband inherits, because they're considered married. Ba'bid divari mamunim lirushata, also clearly says, that in these cases over it only is nafkamina minah l'gabbe aval terumah, but if regarding the law of terumah, so you see a clear statement That a lady cannot eat Until she actually enters Chubah so that's a question. This is a question on Rav. It's a question on the other rabbis as well that concurred with Rav. That was the opinion of Rabbi Hanan and Rabbi Hanina. So it's a question of all these rabbis because they say once already the father gives her over to the messengers of the husband, she can eat tiluman. Here you see that what? That no, that until the husband actually makes hubba with his wife, so there is no... Uh, there is no eating of tiruba The Gemara concludes and says, تيوفتا. Indeed it is a question. Now the Gemara goes back on the b'rayta we just quoted. Hagufa We have a question, a contradictory uh, statement in the b'rayta, or implications are contradictory. Amar, You said it first, نِخْنِسَعِ that if they entered, let's say the Hatser, her Hatser, in order to sleep for the night. So you say it's not considered a Huppah, Ta'mad because their intention was just to sleep the night. but if they had Stam kavana, Lishem Nisuin, you could assume that what, the Stam kavana is for Nisuin. The only reason why there's not Nisuin over there is because they had a clear kavana for Lalund. Now, Emma Sifat, will bring you the Sifat, Nikhlisa Immo, if let's say they entered his chasad, Lishim, Nisuin, for the sake of Nisuin, so then they considered... Uh, that that's considered a shem It's fine. However, if it was just stam, not for the sake of nesu'in, meaning lal'in, then I'll say what well, it's for, uh, for 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 sleeping purposes. So that we have a stira in the uh, implications of the breita, again, let's review the statement of the breita, and then we'll see what the implications are contradictory. The first statement said if they're under derech and they stop off at her courtyard, lal'in, in order to sleep. So it says, well, since they entered to sleep, that's not considered marriage. So we can make an assumption that what? Only because they entered with Kavanah to sleep. But if they entered Stam, so Stam you could assume that it's for the sake of Nisu'in. But the say fast if they entered his courtyard for the sake of Nisu'in, then it's considered for the sake of Nisu'in. Implying what? That stamma that if they just entered Stam, it's for the sake of sleeping and not for the sake of marriage. So the question is, what is the Stam Kavana? Is Stam when they enter to sleep? Is it for the sake of marriage or is it for the sake of sleeping? So Amar of Stameh Stameh stame That really the case of the Brighton was talking about when they entered Stam. It wasn't when they had a Kavana. And the laws like this, Setam Hasir dida. when you enter her courtyard, Lalib. The Stam Kavana is you're assuming that it's not for the sake of the Srim, it's her courtyard. So therefore they going into sleep tonight. Setam haser dideh, but the Stam in his haser l'disu'in. So it's going to be for the sake of the su'in. So that's the uh, cases of the Brayta, which is both Brayta. The cases of Brayta we're talking about when they entered Stam. So Stam when it's in her haser is ladin, and Stam when it's in his Hasir, it is for the sake of the su'in. So therefore, there is no contradiction in the. بلاي دام بروخ أنوالي أمين